Welcome to First Mover, presented by Underdog Fantasy. I'm Josh Larkey, the Director of Analytics at PlayerProfiler.com and Roto Underworld, and you can find me on Twitter at JLarkeyTweets, J-L-A-R-K-Y, Tweets. Now, as I've alluded to on Twitter, I've been talking about it a lot recently, and speaking of Underdog Fantasy, as you know, they have player props for you to bet on if you have the dfs dominator package on playerprofiler.com you already know that i'm releasing my 10 favorite pick'em lines every single week so if you want to pay 40 dollars for the dfs dominator package not only are you getting those dfs tools you're also getting my favorite underdog player props now i live in california sports betting it's not legal yet and I have better things to do than drive across the the border to Nevada every single week. So no sports betting for me right now. So let's say I see DeAndre Swift's receiving yards prop is 40 yards. I can't just go and bet the over and say over 40 yards, done. However, if I'm using Underdog Fantasy's app, promo code Underworld, promo code Underworld gets new users a $10 instant deposit match. When using the Underdog app, I can do player props legally since you have to pick at least two props to bet them together. And those two to five props that you bet must have players from two or more different NFL teams. I know, that kind of makes your head spin, doesn't it? There's a, there's a lot of rules, I understand. And I'm actually working on a guide right now to help you become profitable betting on player props. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you have lost money if you tried betting on player props via Underdog, or another similar platform. Almost everyone loses money. The odds are stacked against you if you don't have a clear-cut strategy. And while my Underdog player prop guide coming soon to playerprofiler.com, and while that guide will discuss how to become profitable in depth, I figured I would give the first mover crowd an early taste at some research I've done to help you become profitable as well. Now, a concept I discussed frequently over the summer was stacking in fantasy football which is making sure that one of your starting receivers or tight ends is on the same team as your quarterback. For example, if you drafted Stephon Diggs, you could later draft Josh Allen. If you drafted Cooper Cup, you would draft Matthew Stafford later on. Part of why you stack is to correlate outcomes. Say Cooper Cup has a big game. Good chance Stafford does as well. And with both of them going off on your fantasy roster, you're likely going to win your fantasy football matchup. If Cooper Cup has a bad game, good chance Stafford also has a bad game. So you lose that fantasy football matchup. Generally, you want to stack players on strong offenses and you hope that both players exceed ADP in the same season. Now, most weeks, both Stafford and Cooper Cup have scored a lot of fantasy points. So if you drafted that stack, you're most likely winning most of your weekly matchups and on your way to the fantasy playoffs. Now, let's turn back to underdog player props. You hear that dog in the background? I I don't know if, if my mic picked that up, but there's a dog somewhere in my complex barking right now. I think it heard underdog and it got excited. It's, sorry dog, you're wrong dog. Now, well, turning back to the underdog player props. You have to pick between two to five different player props, and those over-under props need to be from at least two different teams. If you get two player props correct on underdog, you 3x your money. So you put in $10, you get them both correct, you got $30. If you get three player props correct, 
Use 6x your money. 4 correct, 10x your money. And if you get all five correct, you 20x your money. I'm gonna outline all the nitty gritty research details further in my full article coming to playerprofiler.com, but I'm gonna give you some cliff notes regarding quarterback receiver stacks for player props. For this research, I analyzed 21 years of regular season game data from 2000 to 2020. I looked at quarterbacks and their number one receiver. For each season, I first pulled out that quarterback's average pass yards for each game. And then I pulled out the main receiver's average receiving yards per game. Then I looked at how often both the quarterback and their number one wide receiver went over their average. So how often the quarterback had more passing yards in a given game than his season long pass yards average. And in that same game, did the team's number one receiver also exceed their average receiving yards in that game. Then I did the opposite. I looked at how often both players went under their season-long average. Let's do a quick example to make this easy to understand. Say we were looking at the 2020 Arizona Cardinals, and this exercise that I'm doing for the 2020 Cardinals is what I did for every single team from 2000 to 2020. Kyler Murray was the leading quarterback on the 2020 Cardinals. He averaged 248 pass yards per game in 2020. DeAndre Hopkins was the leading receiver on the Cardinals in 2020. He averaged 88 receiving yards per game. How often did Kyler go over 248 passing yards while DeAndre Hopkins also went over 88 receiving yards? And then conversely, how often did Kyler Murray go under 248 pass yards while DeAndre Hopkins also went under 88 receiving yards? Now, you can't actually take the overs on both or the unders on both on underdog because remember you need player representation from two or more teams and Kyler and Hopkins play on the same team but let's say theoretically this was allowed we'd be rolling in money right if you pick two props correctly on underdog and you get them both correct you 3x your money all we need is for both to hit the over or both to hit the under more than 33 percent or one third of the time. And if we have it more than 33% of the time and we three X our money when we get it right, we're gonna profit. This is going to be so easy, isn't it? So let's say the player props for both the QB and the receiver are their average passing and receiving yards. I know props aren't actually this exact number, but we have to make some assumptions somewhere in the analysis. Anyway, let's say that we chose both overs for the QB passing yards and wide receiver receiving yards. And we did that over and over for every single game from 2000 to 2021. So we just said, oh, whatever this quarterbacks, the the player props are set at the quarterbacks average pass yards and the receivers average receiving yards. We're just going to take the over on both. Drum roll, please. If you took the over on a QB and the main receiver as a pick two, you would get both of them right a whopping 31.1% of the time. Sorry. What? 31.1%? 31.1% of the time? That's below the 33.3% needed for at least breaking even and 3xing our money. That's not very good at all. And Josh, you mean to tell me that those players are so correlated that Underdog doesn't even allow you to pick two players on the same team and nobody else? 
This seems like a horrible proposition. I hate player props. That's what you might be thinking. Well, pump the brakes. Let's continue. Say that you took the under on both the quarterback and the main receiver as a pick two. In those thousands of games, both unders hit huh, 34.7% of the time. Woohoo! 34.7%. That's, uh, that's slightly greater than 33.3%. We're profitable, but not so fast. Remember, you need at least two teams represented in your underdog pick'em slip. So we can't just take the under on a quarterback wide receiver duo and profit accordingly. So what's the loophole though, Larky? How have you made a couple grand on underdog player props this year? Throw us a bone. We want at least a little taste, just a little taste of what's in the article. Earlier, I mentioned that if you pick two props and both are correct, you 3x your money, three props correct, 6x your money, four props correct, you 10x your money, five props correct, 20x your money. All right, say we take the main quarterback wide receiver duo from both teams playing against each other. This would mean we're making four player props. So if we get them all correct, we have the potential to 10x our money. So to be profitable, we would want to get all four props correct more than 10% of the time. Here's just a little thought example. Say the Bills play the Rams. You would be choosing to take all overs or all unders on Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Matthew Stafford, and Cooper Cup. So maybe you take the over on Allen and Stafford's pass yards and the over on Diggs and Cup's receiving yards, or you take the under on Allen and Stafford's pass yards and the under on Diggs and Cup's receiving yards. In our thousands of eligible games, if we always chose the main quarterbacks and those two main receivers and just took all four overs, Remember, we need to hit 10% because you 10x your money if you get it correct. We would be correct, oh, that's not bad, 10.9% of the time. Hey, that's a legal player prop that you could do for underdog and 10.9% is greater than 10%. But, and he, oh, this, this, this is where, this is where you make the money. If we take the unders and you just bet four unders with this strategy, you would be getting all four correct not 10% of the time, not 10.9% of the time like the overs, you would get all four correct 13.7% of the time. Well, now it's a volume game because it's still a slim margin. And I'll explain. Let's say, let's say you're a volume better, which I am for underdog. You have to bet a lot. Say that I make $1,010 bets on four unders. And let's say that we get the 13.7% correct, like historically has happened. That means that out of our thousand $10 bets, 13.7%, 137 of our thousand bets would be correct. And we would get 10X our $10 deposit on all of those. So if we made those $1,010 bets with a 13.7% win rate, taking those four unders, we would spend $10,000 during the season. And we would take home... 13,700, which is 3,700 in profit. Now, a couple notes, just because you take unders and make a lot of bets, that doesn't guarantee you make money. This study is also using a player's average pass and receiving yards end of season as a barometer. But as we all know from player props, they're not always going to actually just be, oh, here's the player's average yards for this prop. But 
knowing this information and combining it with research on your own end, I'm confident many of you can become profitable with player props on a site like Underdog Fantasy promo code Underworld. And stay tuned for the full article coming to playerprofiler.com. And I hope you enjoyed this little sneak peek. Let's check the, the chat. Uh, looks like people are asking Cody Carpentier about the weather. It's good. No player prop questions. Perfect. That's what I like to see. I'm glad that everyone just knows how to do it now, right? It's it's perfectly it's perfectly obvious at this point what you have to do. Well, that's being facetious, but the, the article will be coming soon to playerprofiler.com. And I, I truly think that my research in this article will really help you turn the corner if you feel like you should be making money, but you haven't been. Hopefully this is that little push and gives you just enough of an edge to be profitable in the long term. That's what we all want, right? Take a minute. Wow, I get out of breath doing these shows. I'm still learning uh, circular breathing. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's ever seen those, those huge, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, it looks like like an eight foot bong kind of. It's what the Austra- some uh, the like the Aboriginal Australians use for making music, the didgeridoo. I tried to learn how to play those, play that once. It's really difficult. And it's basically circular breathing where as you're, you're blowing out with your mouth, you're breathing with your nose, still working on mastering that. So at times during my podcast, I am out of breath by the end of a segment. Let me tell you. So one more second. Oh, thank you. Young filth says this was great. Josh. Good stuff. Thank you. I'm glad it was. I thought so too. That's why I decided to include it in the intro. Thought it was worth it. Someone asked, did I mention my picks yet for underdog? I haven't made any underdog picks yet tonight that I'm aware of. Uh, I think I saw James Winston's pass yards was at like 210. I would take the over on that. That's not a super informed guess, but I'll have to look more to confirm that that's the right move. But it just seemed like based on what Jameis is typically putting up in a game and adjusting for just how dreadful the Seahawks pass defense is. I think some Jameis Winston overs, if it's still around 208, 209, 210 yards, that's probably in effect. Now, before we dive into Week 8 DFS, we at playerprofiler.com and Roto Underworld, we are partnered with the Austin Eckler Foundation. If you want to donate, go to playerprofiler.com slash Austin dash Eckler dash foundation if you want to donate. We're raising money to support youth football programs in underserved communities. Austin knows firsthand how a regimented and fun after-school activity like football can keep you on a good path in life, teach you discipline, teach you teamwork, and help show you that hard work pays off. For many students out there, football practice is two hours a day that they aren't running around on the streets. It's two hours a day where they form lasting friendships in a place where they get their energy out after sitting in class all day. Again, go to playerprofiler.com slash Austin dash Eckler dash foundation if you want to learn more donate and see Austin's video detailing our partnership playerprofiler.com slash Austin dash Eckler dash foundation. Uh, someone in the comments just put out James Winston, the, the prop right now for pass yards, 209.5. Uh, I think I'd, I'd probably take that. I'm seeing 17 to 18 mile an hour sustained winds, 30 mile an hour gusts. Are you sure Winston's over is the right side? No, I'm not sure. Again, I should, that's just the, the gut feeling, but 209 is, that's that's fairly, that's really low. And we know that Jameis is a competent passer. And we know that Traquan Smith is back. And the Seahawks secondary is just 
so decimated. All right, now for real, on to the week eight DFS slate. And it's a big slate once again. After having 10 game slates on uh, the past two weeks, we're back to a nice hefty 12 games on this one. DraftKings will start at quarterback, Josh Allen versus Miami. He's 8,100 at the top. Some other, I think that strong play there. A few other quarterbacks that caught my eye. Uh, if you've listened to anything I've done, whether it's first mover or the big tilt, which I do with Mike Randall on Friday nights, uh, every every week is Tom Brady week in DFS. 7,400. Sorry. <clears throat> 7,400 at New Orleans. Also, uh, my boy Herbert, Justin Herbert, 7,300 versus the Patriots. I know the Patriots that. The Patriots got the better of Herbert his rookie year. You can look up that game log. It is ugly. That is also a one-game sample size, and I hope it keeps people off Justin Herbert for week eight. I'm going to be playing some Herbert, 7,300 versus the Patriots. We've got Jalen Hurts at Detroit, 7,200. That's a good price right there. Uh, Jameis Winston, I guess we'll, we'll see how he does tonight on Monday Night Football. This is being recorded uh, Monday just before Monday Night Football. Jameis Winston, six. Thousand versus Tampa Bay pass funnel defense could shape up to be a nice little shootout there. It's at New Orleans, so it's going to be in a dome, so good conditions. Also, oh, you want a budget quarterback? I like Trevor Lawrence at Seattle. He'll be fresh off his week seven bye while Seattle's playing tonight on Monday Night Football. So extra long week for Lawrence with the week seven bye, extra short week for Seattle playing tonight. Fifty five hundred for Trevor Lawrence. Worth a couple dart throws. Justin Fields. I know, just hold hold your nose. Justin Fields down at 5,000 versus San Francisco. Week 7 versus Tampa Bay. Justin Fields was awful. He was sacked. He threw a lot of interceptions. No passing touchdowns. But Fields had a career-high 32 pass attempts in that game and a career-high 8 rush attempts. Those are both steps in the right direction for his fantasy outlook. We like usage. The San Francisco pass defense has been bad this year. And again, we're chasing usage. So even though Fields had a terrible outing in week seven, he threw the ball more than he had before. And he ran the ball more than he had before. So there's potential there. And again, only 5,000. And oh, you want a bottom feed. We can actually go lower than that. Tyrod Taylor may return for this game against the Rams. He'll be at home in Houston and at 4,900, that is as cheap a Konami quarterback as it gets. So the Tyrod Taylor Brandon Cook stack is going to be just so affordable that you can cram pretty much any stud into your lineup after that point. So if Tyrod Taylor plays and my doppelganger Davis Mills, the legend, is finally taken out of the starting lineup, going to be playing some Tyrod Taylor. On FanDuel, we have Josh Allen at the top again. 8,800 versus Miami, another good play. Uh, I like Justin Herbert again, 7,900 versus the Patriots. And then Trevor Lawrence, very good salary on this platform too, 6,700 at Seattle. Uh, Someone just asked in the chat, Eagles traded Flacco to the Jets. Yes, I'll get to that in a a little bit. Minshew, what's the odds that Hurts is benched in favor of Minshew? I truly have no idea. I would say they're low. So uh, yeah, Minshew's probably a better stash in in both. If you if it's a, either a deep redraft league or in dynasty for superflex, yes, Minshew a better stash probably than the the average backup quarterback. This now, however, I I still don't think it's very likely. I think we kind of know that Jalen Hurts is just better than Minshew in every way. Minshew just really lacks arm strength. 
He's not as fast or physical as Jalen Hurts. Not as good of a prospect profile. Kind of all the signs point to Jalen Hurts just being better in every way than Minshew. Now, running back, DraftKings, Derrick Henry, the big dog at the top at 8,900 at the Colts. Fine play there. And then we have Kamara, 8,700 versus Tampa Bay. I think he's interesting because usually uh, I think of Tampa Bay as kind of a stay away just with how stout their front seven is. But Kamara is one of the preeminent pass catching backs in the league. Week six, he had a ton of targets. Or sorry, week week five, he had a ton of targets. Then he had the week six bye. We'll see how he plays tonight. I don't actually think there's any landmines really for the expensive running backs. They finally respected DeAndre Swift on DraftKings. He's priced up to 7,100 versus Philly. Still going to play some Swift. I really like uh, James Robinson, 6,600 at Seattle. Daryl Henderson, 6,500 at Houston. Another interesting one in that range is Damian Harris. If Ramondre is inactive again, 6,100 at the Chargers. Running backs have had a lot of success versus the Chargers this year. And then uh, Chuba, 6,000 at Atlanta. He kind of burned people, myself included, this past week. I had several lineups in DFS that were around 200 fantasy points on DraftKings. Some just over, some just below. And a lot of them, it's because Chuba Hubbard put up, I think it was nine fantasy points. Great usage, just uh, Sam Darnold imploded. Didn't get the result we wanted. So would have been an incredibly profitable day. I think I made, I think I put in 500, walked away with 600 on DraftKings for week seven. So it would have been a really good week if I just had pivoted from Chuba to some of the other better performing running backs, but I think you go back to him, 6,000 at Atlanta. Another interesting note, Malcolm Brown just went on IR. Gaskin, 5,600 at Buffalo. That's an intriguing, potentially low played pivot off some of those other enticing running back options. Gaskin's had a pretty solid role, especially in the passing game the last three weeks. And now Malcolm Brown's out of the picture. Gaskin, I believe he had 15 carries in yesterday's game. So he was pretty much just a full-on workhorse this past week. So 5,600, intriguing price. Khalil Herbert, I mean, the the guy just relegated Damian Williams. Khalil Herbert, 5,400 versus the Niners. I actually tweeted about this. Possibly the craziest stat from week seven action was Khalil Herbert rushing for 100 yards against the vaunted Tampa Bay Buccaneers run defense. That's right. He hit 100 yards. Pretty much nobody hits 100 rushing yards against Tampa Bay. And he had five catches for 33 yards through the air, even though Damian Williams was active. And what's also just the, the funniest part about all this, it's not even just that Damian Willi- or that Khalil Herbert had 100 rush yards against Tampa Bay, but in a game, Tampa Bay smoked them. They, the Buccaneers won 38-3. to That is very unique commitment to the run. Though I guess the run was more effective than the pass game for the Bears. So maybe that was rational play calling given everything that ended up transpiring with the sacks, the interceptions. Fields had a bad day. Now, uh, Miles Sanders, he's pretty much guaranteed to be out for week eight. Obvious free square is Kenny Gainwell, $5,000. Significant pass catching upside. Two games already this year with eight targets. Going to be playing some Gainwell along with the rest of the world. But the sneaky running back in this price range, and he's in the chat right now. Cody Carpentier is going to enjoy this one. The sneaky running back in this range. I know this is a guy he likes. Coming out of the week six by Michael Carter. Saw 11 rush attempts, kind of par for the course with him, but he saw nine targets after never seeing more than three in a game before that. He may have the pass game role locked down going forward. And at 4,900, if everyone is pivoting to Gainwell at 5,000 and Khalil Herbert at 5,400, 
I'm going to be playing some Michael Carter at 4,900. Joe Flacco was just traded today from the Eagles to the Jets. And if Flacco plays in that game, he is definitely an upgrade over Mike White. Either way, neither quarterback's mobile. Both will need to check down Michael Carter, 4,900. FanDuel, Derrick Henry's at the top, as expected, 10,500. And I really like the the mid to low priced running backs on FanDuel this week. Chuba, 6,600. Gainwell, 5,900. Michael Carter, 5,700. And Gaskin, 5,700. That's a really nice range right now. Pay up for some of those stud receivers. Wide receiver, on DraftKings, we have Cooper Cup at the top, $9,000 at Houston. You've probably heard by now, Cooper Cup has the most PPR points ever for a wide receiver through seven games. Pretty hard to fade him any week. However, I don't think Houston is quite the matchup some think it is. I would expect, if anything, Cup has more of a floor game. If if I just had to say 50-50, whether he goes over or under uh, 20 fantasy points, I would take under for this one. Just not, not 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 a great matchup with Houston. I'm really hoping Tyrod plays, though. He's able to sustain uh, just even sort of a shootout environment much better than Davis Mills. So much more interested in Cup if Tyrod Taylor plays, but you just you can't fade Cup completely at this point. A really good price is Deontay Johnson. Coming off his bye, he's all rested, recovered, 6,700 at Cleveland. Keenan Allen coming off his bye, he's rested, 6,500 versus New England. And Marshawn Lattimore, it's kind of funny at this point. It's sort of a joke as to, I, I still don't know how exactly this happens, but he basically always shuts down Mike Evans whenever the Saints and Buccaneers face each other. And if you expect that trend to continue, Godwin is 6,400, but then Antonio Brown is 6,100. So if Antonio Brown plays, he is just so cheap for his upside, 6,100. I also like Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders, 5,400 versus Miami. Very tantalizing price. Josh Allen's pretty expensive. Diggs really expensive. You could go Diggs and Sanders double stack. Oh, you don't want Diggs. You want to go a little cheaper. Sanders, 5,400. Michael Pittman, another good option. I liked his salary, 5,300 versus Tennessee. Jerry Judy should be back in week eight. And he's only 4,900 facing a really bad Washington secondary. Significantly cheaper than Sutton. And when both are healthy, I don't really know who I prefer. They're... They're very similar with expected target share, expected production. So, Judy, 4,900 versus Washington. Significantly cheaper than Sutton. Why not? Chenault, 4,700 at Seattle. He's coming off his bye. He's all rested. Seattle pass defense is terrible. Minimal target competition, 4,700. And, I'm another, uh, hold your nose. I'm still going back to him. Odell Beckham Jr., the price is in free fall, as is his, uh, future in the NFL, it seems, that OBJ's 4,600 versus the Steelers. And believe it or not, the guy, I know he's not putting up the fantasy points, but he still saw six targets in week seven, despite going in and out of the game with his shoulder injury. Receivers for FanDuel, Cooper Cup, 9,200 at the top. I really like Chase Claypool. Remember Juju Smith-Schuster out for the season. Chase Claypool's only 6,500 on FanDuel at Cleveland. And then OBJ, 5,700. That just crazy price on OBJ. So really like Claypool though on FanDuel this week. Moving on to tight end, it's a funny slate. No Kelsey, no Waller, no Kittle. Kyle Pitts is on the rookie going into his seventh career game. He's the highest priced tight end, 6,300 versus Carolina at the top. I don't think that's the the best price ever. However, with his upside, we know at this point he's 
He's definitely worth dabbling at that price tag. He's had back-to-back incredible games. I really like TJ Hawkinson as well. 5,400 versus the Eagles. 20 targets for Hawkinson the past two weeks. Love to see it. Gesicki. Mike Gesicki, 5,000 at Buffalo. He's averaging 17.5 fantasy points the past five games. He's on an absolute tear. He doesn't line up in line. He's basically, he's not even really a tight end. He's pretty much just being used as a receiver, but you can still play him as a tight end at 5,000. That's a good price. Even if, say, Gesicki was a $5,000 receiver, I'd still play some Gesicki. So him at tight end at 5K is just a great price tag. Dallas Goddard, 4,700. Remember, no Zach Ertz. Goddard, very viable each week now. If Rob Gronkowski returns this week, he's at New Orleans. He's only 4,600. In the chat, we got T. Higgins, 5,200. Yes, Higgins, he's getting so many targets. His day could come. Chase is just so priced, so priced up. I like T. Higgins this week and pretty much every week. If he's going to be that differently priced than Chase, then I'll always have some T. Higgins. Uh, Another tight end, Ricky Seals-Jones at Denver, 3,800. The past three weeks, nine, six, and seven targets. In relief of Logan Thomas, he's playing every snap. It's a great role. Uh, One guy, I think it's a trap, CJ Uzama of the Bengals, 3,700. He's coming off a 90-yard two-score game, but eight targets, not eight targets last week or the past two weeks. He has eight targets the past three weeks and never more than three in a game the past three weeks. That's just, this isn't super sustainable production when Chase Higgins and Boyd are healthy. He has a very small target share and he's worth a Hail Mary or two, but not much more than that. You do want a budget tight end though. It's Dan Arnold. He's mispriced. He's 2,800 versus Seattle. Coming off the bye, 13 targets his past two weeks before the bye. Remember he was traded this year from Carolina to Jacksonville. So probably getting him more acclimated into the offense. He's learning more of the playbook during that week seven bye. Very excited to play some 2,800 Dan Arnold. FanDuel, Kyle Pitts at the top again, 6,800 versus Carolina. Three other guys I like, Hawkinson, 6,200 on FanDuel. Jared Cook, 5,200 on FanDuel. He's still got a good role in that offense. It's a high-scoring Chargers offense, 5,200. And then Dan Arnold, 4,900 is the super budget tight end again. Just got another coffee sip. Defense special teams, DraftKings, the Rams at Houston are at the top, 5,100. My goodness, that's that's a lot of money to invest in a defensive unit. Some options I like better at the price tag. The Buffalo Bills versus Miami, 3,300. The Bills have a really strong defense and they're coming off their week seven bye. Eagles at the Lions, only 2,700. The Eagles defense, 2,700. And you want to go cheaper? A nice well-rested, also fresh off their bye. The Jacksonville Jaguars are 2,400 versus Geno Smith. Yes, please. FanDuel, the Rams are only 5,000. Cheaper than DraftKings, even though FanDuel gives you 60,000 in salary, whereas... FanDuel, 60,000 salary. DraftKings, only 50,000 salary. So kind of crazy. The Rams, 5,000 on FanDuel and more expensive, 5,100 on DraftKings. So if you want to play the Rams, you might as well do it on FanDuel. Uh, FanDuel, I like the Chargers too. 3,900 versus the Patriots. So that's a good matchup for the the well-rested Chargers team. All right, another drink break and then we'll dive into the 12 games on the slate. All right, first up we've got The Carolina Panthers at the Falcons, 47-point game total, Falcons two-and-a-half-point home favorites. And I know Darnold's going to be starting again. I think you can play him, just kind of hope for a bounce back. He looked pretty dreadful last week. Maybe things will get better. I don't know. I 
It's, it's Sam Darnold. We we had a three-year track record of him being bad. And uh, some of his past tendencies, the turnovers, the struggling to process quickly, it's rearing its head again. But I really like the Atlanta side. They're favorites. They're means they're projected for more points in this game, which means they're projected for more touchdowns. Matt Ryan's been looking really good recently. The Panthers' defense is good, but I like Matt Ryan with so much weaponry at this point. We've got Cordero Patterson, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage looked good in his return. This is a, a pretty potent Falcons offense. It looks like they're starting to hit their stride. I'll be playing some Matt Ryan stacks for sure. Dolphins at the Bills, 49 and a half point game total. Buffalo, 13-point favorites. That is, that's a big spread. Buffalo is projected for a lot of fantasy points. Miami defense, really bad. Play some Josh Allen. Also, play some Tua. Because when quarterbacks face a really good quarterback, both their fantasy point floor and ceiling get raised historically. So if Tua's facing Josh Allen, who's going to be putting up points, Tua's going to be forced to put up points of his own. And his ceiling is going to be higher in this game than the average game. So... Tua looks like a strong budget quarterback in this one. We have the Niners at the Bears. Just a a really paltry 43-point game total. Bears, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home. I'll be dabbling in a little fields in that one, but not too much else. Next up, another bad game total. The Steelers at the Browns. 43-and-a-half game total. Browns, three-point favorites at home. Doesn't look like Baker Mayfield's going to play in this one either. Looks like there's a good chance it's Case Keenum again. Just kind of an ugly game environment. I think you just kind of play the few studs in this one, like Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. Nick Chubb looks like he'll be back. He's reasonably priced, so you can play some Nick Chubb. Little OBJ, as I talked about. But overall, not really a game I'm looking to stack that much. Next up, we've got the Eagles at the Lions. 48-point game total. And the Lions are 3.5-point home dogs and I really like the Jalen Hurts side of this one he has obvious stacking partners with Kenny Gainwell Devonta Smith Dallas Goddard and then it's very obvious on the Lions side you've got Hawkinson Swift Khalif Raymond actually kind of broke out this past week uh I saw that he had what looked like some type of hamstring injury towards the end of the game we'll see if that persists but there's a few decent options on the Detroit Lions side to run it back we've got the Titans at the Colts, 49-point game total. The Colts, one-point favorites at home. This is a nice game. I like when it's kind of a, uh, an even point spread. It's good. We've got both teams projected for a decent amount of touchdowns. I think you can play some Tannehill. You can play some Wentz. Fire up some Henry, some Taylor. A.J. Brown finally had his big eruption. We all knew it was coming. We were hoping it was against the Chiefs. It was. Unfortunately, the Chiefs offense just couldn't sustain a shootout, but this is a game that I'm going to be targeting on both ends. We have the Bengals at the Jets, 43 and a half point game total, and the Bengals favored by nine and a half points, even though they're on the road. Probably going to have some Joe Burrow stacks. He went nuclear against the Ravens this past week. He had over 400 pass yards, but overall, not a game I want too much exposure to. It's the Jets. They're going to have a backup quarterback, low game total, probably not the highest paced game either. And not really good-looking shoot, shootout conditions all around. So, probably going to have some burrow, but I would temper your expectations on what his ceiling looks like in this one. We have the Rams at the Texans, 46-point game total. And on the road, the Rams are 14.5-point favorites. Every week is Stafford week. I'll be playing some Stafford. 
And if Tyrod plays, I'll be playing some of that Texan side as well. Patriots at the Chargers. 47.5 point game total. Chargers 5.5 point favorites. Play some Justin Herbert. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Jared Cook, Austin Eckler. Very consolidated. Who's getting those targets? And then for runbacks, we could have Damian Harris, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Henry. That's a game I'm excited about. Next, we have Jacksonville at Seattle. 44 point game total. Seattle, three and a half point home favorites. And I like Trevor Lawrence, as you know. He's on the road. He's going to have to put up some kind of passing yards. It's a terrible pass defense in Seattle. Trevor Lawrence, very reasonably priced on both platforms. And very obvious who he's throwing to. The guys that are going to that have that, that strong fantasy ceiling, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, Dan Arnold, James Robinson, and that's about it. Very consolidated. Second to last game on the slate, not a great game. Washington at Denver, 43 and a half game total. The spread is three points in favor of the home team, the Denver Broncos. Probably not going to play a whole lot of this game, though. A couple of interesting players, Judy coming back, reasonably priced. McLaurin just looking so good this year. Anyway, the final game, I like this one too. The Buccaneers at the Saints, 50-point game total. So none of these game totals are all that high this week. This is the only one that's hit 50 from what I read. 50-point game total, Bucks at the Saints. Saints, four and a half point underdogs at home. I'll probably play some both sides of this one. I always play Brady stacks each week. It's just mandatory double stacks. Those double stacks got there last week. Just played Brady, Evans, and Godwin with Antonio Brown out. It was so easy uh, with... Antonio Brown expected back a little more difficult, but that's fine. Just play a few more Brady lineups and get in all those different stack combinations. And then on the Saints end, we'll see how Traquan Smith looks in his return. I don't think Michael Thomas is going to play in week eight. Uh, I guess he could, probably not going to happen, but uh, it's nice that he has Marquez Callaway, Kamara, Traquan coming back. So Jameis Winston could be interesting against a pretty bad pass defense in the Buccaneers. Let's check check the chat. Someone said, Swift is still too cheap. I agree. 7,100. I'm still playing Swift. All right. Now I'll get you out of here with a little hot take. Last week's hot take did pretty well, didn't it? I called the shootout with Miami and the Falcons. There were nearly 60 points scored in that game. That was a good one. Fantasy point bonanza. Oh yeah, baby. For week eight at his salary, 18 or more fantasy points could actually win you a large field tournament. I'm going to keep it simple. At home against a porous San Francisco 49ers defense, Justin Fields, 18 fantasy points. Also, one thing to note for those uh, following the stream, uh, I really like this shirt and I've worn it uh, on a couple of our team calls 
and Matt has uh, Matt has pummeled me for this shirt. He thinks it is one of the stupidest looking things. So uh, I decided why not wear it just for Matt. So if he ends up seeing the the stream, he's going he's going to throw up in his mouth a little bit when he sees that I'm bringing out the the diamond pattern all over print T-shirt. 